Wildcats to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who enjoys the occasional dining experience at Ruby River Steakhouse in Riverdale, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, a man who loves him, some soup and salad at Olive Garden, Dustin Chapman. Don't forget the breadsticks. That, that's, that's the main reason. Never-ending breadsticks. Next, a man who, is, who can throw down on some Texas Roadhouse rolls, AC. Give me those carbs all day, every day, and take me there for my birthday because I want to ride that saddle. <laughs> those rolls are really good. And finally, a man who somehow enjoys the disappointing dining experience that is Chili's, John King. S- s- say what you want, and I'll die on this hill. But Chili's, chips, salsa, and queso, I could eat my body weight in that every time. Somehow an appetizer doesn't redeem a chain restaurant. On today's show, men's basketball player interview with senior forward Michael Kozak. Excited to talk to Michael, who has been with the Wildcats for nearly four years now about his experience in Wildcat uniform. We'll also be talking about the recent men's basketball game against Boise State University up in Boise. It was kind of an impromptu thing because the game against Utah State was canceled. But we'll be talking about that. And finally, we are going to talk a little bit about Weber State football. We've had some interesting things happen in the past week around our coaching staff and some rumors about conference realignment. So we thought we'd put it to the panel and uh, get their takes. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and tell your friends if you have Wildcat fans or you know, alumni in your family or circle of friends, please tell them about the show, especially if they are diehard Wildcat athletics fans. We'd love to get in their ears and make sure that they're informed about all the things happening on campus. Uh, a good way to also stay informed is to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. All right, Wildcat fans, now we are excited and um, humbled to welcome Michael Kozak, senior forward of the Weber State Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course, thanks. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, we really appreciate you. Uh, A senior, like we said, on this Wildcat team. This will be the fourth season playing in a Wildcat uniform, so we're really excited to talk to you about, you know, seeing this team progress since you joined us in 16-17. And I uh, want to talk to you a little bit about the future, kind of, you know, how, your journey from the Czech Republic to Weber State here in Ogden, and also what we hope to accomplish uh, as a team this year in conference tournament, which starts on, or conference play, which starts on Friday, and then leading up to the conference tournament. So first question we want to ask you, Michael, like we said, you're from the Czech Republic. Uh, how, talk to us a little bit about your journey. How did you come? How did Weber State get on your map? And how did you come from Czech Republic to Ogden, Utah? Yeah, so of course, it's been a really long journey. Ever since I was young, I wanted to try uh, college basketball, go overseas and just have the opportunity to play and study at the same time in the college. So uh, it started in high school when I transferred to a different high school to a capital of Czech Republic, Prague, where I had a higher chance of getting recruited from some of the college coaches from overseas, right? So I got to the other high school and then one of the coaches, there's actually my current coach, Coach Merrick, assistant coach, he started recruiting me to, to Weber State. I had two options, either Weber State and California Polytechnic School. Uh, I had two offers, and it was just up to me to like decide which place fits me better, where I want to go. And I obviously decided Weber State because I just felt like it was a better fit for me because there were better people around, around, around the team. I can't say that I thought it was a better place because I did not know Utah at all. And obviously, you're comparing Utah and California, right? Yeah, because we're talking but, about Cal Poly, a great place to go to college, really smart mm-hmm. place uh, in San Luis Obispo, which uh, is not Ogden, Utah. So took a little <laughs> faith and came to the mountains instead of going to the yeah. beach. Uh, of course, like both places have uh, 
ups and ups and downs. But like uh, when I came here to Utah, uh, it really showed me like the the nature is beautiful here, like the mountains. You know, like you come here, you think like, yeah, it's gonna be cold. What am I gonna do here? But uh, it's actually really nice to be here. Like uh, California would be nice to have sunny weather all the time, be by the beach, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it's really not about how nice it's gonna be. It's about playing basketball and studying. So that's why I choose. That's why I chose Weber State. Michael, I got a question for you. So you came to Utah from Czech Republic, and I think that a lot of people have different ideas as to like the the nuances in the game between Europe and mm-hmm. the United States. But you're someone who's actually experienced it firsthand, mm-hmm. in depth in both locations. And so I'd, I'd kind of like to know from you, what do you think, if there are any, uh, are the mm-hmm. differences between playing basketball in Europe? and the u.s so what i can compare is the level of let's say collegiate or like amateur level competition and the main difference is how the basketball is viewed and like how is it played between the european style there is like less i don't want to say selfish but like it's more based on like moving the ball sharing the ball and just doing whatever it takes and like just I don't know how to describe it. It's just like the, the American mentality is just like, uh, I want to score the ball, you know? And like, everybody, like, of course, everybody wants to score the ball, right? But uh, here, when you go to the league, the NCAA, uh, there's more players that just go, they just close their eyes, go to the, go to the hoop no matter what happens. In Europe, like, coaches more, a lot of times don't let some people do that. And they just base everything on, like, strategies, you know, uh, Really, like, the game plan is pretty much everything. Here, you can have one great guy that scores, like, 40 and decides the game. It's just the difference. Like, yeah, it probably wouldn't happen in Europe. But other than that, um, the athleticism is different here. Like, people are more athletic. In Europe, you have, like, all these uh, slower, more, maybe sometimes high, higher IQ guys that are, like, more thinking about the game, but are nearly not as athletic and, like, fast faster decisions everything is faster here so that's probably the main difference for me and it didn't really take me a long to adapt to it because it's I mean we're practicing every day you're getting used to it every day so it wasn't that hard to 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 get used to it but it was something different for me hey Michael I want to jump in um you know as one of the few returners um from last year's team um and so many new faces um on the squad this year What's been the toughest part about trying to help, uh, trying to help the uh, new guys along to try to get them up to speed with what Coach Ray and his staff um, want to do here? First thing I would say is that I thought it would be harder than it actually was because uh, a lot of guys that came here, they're the, the it's the first year for them. They're older than what the team was last year, so a lot of them have experience with uh, either. Division one or some JUCO colleges, Division two, they're used to the pressure from coaches. They're used to the environment, and they kind of know what it takes. It was just about them getting used to our team strategies and just like practicing the whole summer. Like we've been together since since the summer, and it was just about them understanding their role and like how how does it work around here, what's Coach Trace strategies, how he sees the game. And just kind of getting used to it and like sacrificing maybe their game the way they used to play 
for this team and changing the 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 style they play in maybe but it wasn't it wasn't nearly as hard as i thought it would be actually so michael uh like like john said uh you're a a person who's uh played in wildcat uniform for a long time one of the few returners a senior now played here for mm-hmm. it to be your fourth season in wildcat uniform uh, and so you've kind of been around the Big Sky. You've seen uh, the way the Big Sky competition works. You've been to the tournament uh, every year for the last three years. And I wanted to ask, uh, we've talked to some of the some of the other players at Weber State, whether that's on you know the football side or the basketball side, mm-hmm. about some of the rivalries that exist within the Big Sky. And yeah. especially for a lot of the new guys, they don't really know because they haven't played in a Wildcat uniform, but you have. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, um, you've had a lot of time to experience big sky basketball and is there a team or is there a game that is memorable for you? Like who do you think, who do you get up for especially when they come to town or the Wildcats go on the road? Or is there a game that, you know, sticks out in your mind as just like that, mm-hmm. that pinnacle of big sky basketball for you? If I have to pick a team, the first team that comes to my mind is probably Southern Utah. Firstly, they're from Utah as well. Secondly, they're just, every time we play them, it's a dogfight. Like, it's crazy competitive game. They're having all these whiteouts. So, like they're trying to really sell out the game. Have as ma- I mean, they used to have as, as many fans as they could. Now it's different with COVID, obviously. <laughs> but uh, definitely Southern Utah was really the hyped up game. Uh, then next, probably Montana, because every every year every year so far I've been here, they were uh, in the top of the league and. It was always that like Weber comes in town. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to show them that they're supposed to be at the top. We're we're coming in their town. We're thinking, yeah, like we can beat that. We we can beat these guys, right? And just the, the level of competition, like when we're when we're playing like different teams from middle or bottom of the of the of the conference, it's not as not as intense, maybe, uh, or like not as like there's not not, not as much hate. Uh, that there is when you're playing these teams like South Utah or Montana, because when you go on the court, it's literally literally just a fight between you and them. A rivalry definitely existing between those two, and uh, and if I fired to pick Michael, I would definitely uh, I put those two up at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Michael, I've got a I got another question for you. Actually, I have two questions, so you got to let mm-hmm. me follow up. So, first question. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you've missed a game as a Wildcat. You've played in every single game since you've been here. Is that right? Uh, when I think about it, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I've had a couple of minor injuries during the during the the years, but it was mostly in like preseason games or like over summer. So I think I think yeah, I think I I've I've been at all the games. That's really crazy when you when you say it. That's that's say a that lot loud. of games. Four <laughs> year yeah, starter. Yeah. I mean. That's uh-huh. a lot of games. So I got to know, though, which game out of all those games stands out? What was the your favorite game you've ever played in as a Weber State Wildcat? BYU at home. Oh, man. <laughs> Great good answer. Can't, Great can't, answer. Can't forget about that one. <laughs> Never will. Hmm. That was that was a really memorable game for me. Um, I, I love to watch the highlights from that game or just watch the whole game and just remember those times when – they came into town all confident they're, they're, they're going to win. And we just came out strong without any fear and just beat them. Like it was a high scoring game. It was like yeah. in hundred tens. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I always call that the greatest day to be a wildcat because earlier that day we had beat, uh, who did, who did we play that year? Uh, in, 
I think we beat Simo that day, didn't we, guys? I think we've beaten Simo in the in the FCS playoffs, and then that. Yes, and it was a home game. Yeah, it was it was a home game, like the first home game in forever or something. Maybe well, we ever. West, Western Illinois the year previous, but yeah, like, and then that night we go to the D and we play BYU and that game was just so high energy. Like Michael said, high scoring affair and you know, both sides were just going at it. And man, at the end of the day, Wildcats get the dub. And that was such a sweet thing in the purple palace, man. And there were so many people in the attendance too. And there was like yeah. probably close to 10,000 people in there. Yeah. A lot of, no doubt, a lot of people, you know, local BYU fans who want to come to the Purple Palace and cheer on, but uh, we sent them packing. So you guys did good work that night, Michael, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, John King, I want to give you the, the, another opportunity to ask Michael a question before we wrap up here. Yeah, uh, Michael, I want to, I want to ask you a question. So with you being a senior this year, like, do you still have plans after you graduate to play basketball or, or what, what are kind of your plans after school moving forward? Yeah, for now, the plan for me is to, I mean, obviously have the, uh, as good of a season as I can and then uh, probably go back overseas to Europe and continue playing basketball. Uh, I would love to play, keep playing professionally. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me where it would be. I would just love to play professionally. That's about it. And then another thing is with, the, with NCAA giving us extra year, that is one other option to consider. But for now, I... I'm pretty sure I will head overseas back if nothing bad happens this season and play professionally. Yeah, we got a number of Wildcats currently playing in the Euro League. Joel Ballenboy, mm-hmm. Jared Harding, a close friend of yours, no doubt. Uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. Sanglin and uh, Brakat Chapman all playing uh, overseas. That uh, Those are just the ones I have off the top of my head. Yeah. So, so, Michael, before we wrap up the interview, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Ogden. You know, we when we talk to players at Weber State, uh, we like to talk to them about what their favorite part of Ogden, maybe their favorite restaurant in Ogden. So you spend a lot of time here in the 801. Uh, tell us, what's your favorite place to go visit in Ogden? Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's a local hangout. Like, what, what makes Ogden special to you? I'll, it'll be hard for me to pick one place uh, in Ogden just to go to, but... Ogden specifically is just it just kind of su- summarize how how Weber State is like it's like it's not that big of a town it's all like familiar kind of like people know like when you go out as a basketball player people are gonna know who you are and that wouldn't happen if you would be in I don't know LA or New York or just like big really big city and that just makes it more to f- to feel like family because like especially for me when I've been here for, I mean, three and a half years maybe now and living with our family, you know, it just feels good to feel like in like a family environment here. So I would say that. And then if I would have to pick some places to go to, I definitely, over the past years, I definitely enjoyed the nature around. Like there's a bunch of hikes around Ogden that I I, I, uh, visited. There is um, some nice restaurants. Like, I don't know, like my favorite is Texas Roadhouse, to be honest. It's just good place to be like relaxed and really be able to focus just on basketball and school. Uh, there's nothing else that really comes to your mind. And that's kind of what helps you succeed the most for me. That's how I feel like. All, all good words. Like you said, plenty of good, plenty of good hikes and trails around Ogden. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, now, like you said, uh, opportunities to go out and it's a family environment in Ogden. So we really appreciate that. Michael wanted to thank you for coming on Weber state weekly to chat with us. Um, really appreciate, you know, your time in Ogden and the time you put into the Weber state wildcats, uh, obviously rooting for you this season, continue to keep up the good work 
And if you see Michael around town, Wildcat fans, make sure to say hello. Uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's around. <laughs> yeah, so Michael Kozak. So. Yeah, thank you again for coming on Weber State Weekly. All right, uh, I want to thank um, Michael Kozak for coming on Weber State Weekly to chat with us about his career, his journey to Weber State, and his time as a Wildcat. But now we're going to talk a little bit about Michael and his teammates in action, talk about the game that recently happened on Sunday afternoon up in Boise at Boise State University. A good team, the Boise State squad this year, probably going to be the top of the Mountain West. And um, yeah, so we did end up losing that game. But I wanted to talk to the panel a little bit about their thoughts on how the game went and uh, bright spots, maybe not so bright spots, what, what they're thinking. So let's start off this conversation by just thinking about, all right, uh, overall, how did you feel with the performance on Sunday afternoon, impromptu game with this Wildcat squad and kind of how things ended up? AC, let's start with you. So it wasn't a perfect game, right? But I think everything considered, I think that the outcome was pretty dang good. Like this wasn't a game that was – really in Weber's favor, right? The odds were kind of stacked against Weber State. It was on short notice. It was against a team that wasn't originally on the schedule, a very good team who's going to be competing for the Mountain West Conference Championship, probably against San Diego State, with who the media picked as the preseason Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. And so, I mean, there were a lot of things going against Weber State in this game, and really it was a barometer game, right? We were trying to figure out how good are we. We've played two Division II teams. Let's go play a close regional Division I team, and we can kind of figure things out before conference play. Wasn't a perfect game. We got out-rebounded. We didn't shoot the ball really well, right, from outside specifically. We shot pretty bad. But overall, I mean, Boise State really didn't put the game out of reach until the last probably four or five minutes. And for Weber State to be competitive and to be hanging in the game within single digits for a a large portion of the game, I think is really respectable. If you look at the Sagarin ratings, Weber State went into that game ranked 289th in the country. And after that game, after a game that we lost, we ended up moving up in the rankings. And so I think that that proves that it really was a respectable performance against a good team. I'm not losing sleep over this game in Boise. I think that we've got a lot of basketball to look forward to. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, like you noted, AC, Wildcats went into that game 17.5 point dogs. So covered the spread uh, in the 70 to 59 loss to Boise State. Uh, but John King or Chappie, uh, your thoughts on the, the game on Sunday? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I think that this was a really important game for us to play. I mean, um, no offense to Adam State and Westminster, but those are not the caliber of teams that Weber State is going to be playing throughout the rest of the season. So it is, it was good for me, you know, I know the Utah State game got canceled, but it was really good that there was able to be, um, that this game was able to be scheduled because it was a good early test for this team. I and mean, we've talked pretty much ever since this show started, we've talked about how, it's going to be very important for the team to gel quickly because we're basically going to jump right into conference play and we have a lot of new faces. Um, And you're only going to be able to do that and see what you have by playing higher level competition. Now, I think, you know, when you look back at the game, I think the number one thing that's going to jump off the page is the three point shooting. I mean, shooting 24% from beyond the arc, um, that's going to make it really, really hard, no matter who you're playing um, in today's basketball to, um uh to win a basketball uh to win a basketball game there now look Boise State is a really really good team they have a potential they have a lot of potential to make the NCAA tournament this year and it is a good early test um you know it's a more realistic test as to where the team is at this you know 
point in the season. And, you know, I think it's a necessary game that needs to, that needed to be played before big sky, um, before big sky competition begins. Um, you know, the two outstanding players, obviously during the game, I mean, Isaiah Brown continues to be the leader. It looks like of this team, he looks like he is going to be the go-to option on offense, both, um, uh, uh, you know, he's going to be the primary ball handler. He's going to score a lot of points. Um, Cody Carlson has been a really, really nice bright spot early in the year that I think that, you know, when we were doing our previews um, early on in the season, he wasn't really someone that we really hit on um, as much as other players. And I think that he's been a nice bright spot. But one thing that Weaver State's going to have to find moving forward is really going to have to find that third consistent score. Is it going to be Michael Kozak? Is it going to be Zahir Porter? Who's it going to be to help those two guys carry some of the offensive load as we move forward throughout the season. Yeah, like you said, IB uh, had a, a good game, uh, scored 18 points, you know, shot, had a little bit of trouble from field goal range, shot four of 11, but overall led the team, I felt, uh, same as you, it sounds like, John King, that yeah, he definitely was a leader. And Cody Carlson, once again, shot great from the field, high percentage shots, six for seven, and uh, two for two from three-point land. So really a bright spot, but I think you're right, John, that really that that third we need that that that, if it's a triangle offense we need that third person to really step up and i think if that person whoever it ends up being if it's michael kozak zayir porter uh whoever uh that that's really going to make a big difference for the wildcats down the stretch Chappie, what are your thoughts yeah uh it was good to get a game i think it's great i i have i'm a little concerned that they just were going right into conference play this week without having you know with that being the only division one game I would have liked to have seen with all the new guys we have, see them play at least a couple more games against some D1 competition. Um, but but it was good. You know, I, I'm glad we got that game and um, thankful that Boise gave us that. The, 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 the negatives that I had uh, were we went too long of stretches without scoring. We did that in the first half and second half. It's like we had just a big, long five-minute-plus drought of, of not scoring anything and not hitting shots. Um, and, and it seemed like, especially in the second half, when, when the guys started feeling that happening, um, they started putting up threes rather than settling down and getting in the offense. You know, that, that, that was, was one concerning thing to me. Um, the other thing that was concerning to me was the thing they need to work on was it seemed like um, they were consistently getting beat on, on backdoor cuts to the hoop, right? The, uh, the Boise big men would have it down low they would they, they, there would be a backdoor cut and, and it was an easy bucket usually for Derek Alston and he just kind of ate the Wildcats lunch in a few ways. Um, so that, those are some things to, to work on, but it was good to see our guy Dante Bassett out there to get it just a couple minutes in. Um, I, I'm excited to, to see where the team goes. It, it's going to be a fun season. It, it was a good game. Yeah. AC, uh, you know, Chappie kind of started this and it was kind of my next question. So it's a nice segue. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on areas of improvement where you think the Wildcats should kind of focus as we go into conference play on Friday? I think the single biggest thing that's become a narrative on the season's rebounding. Rebounding, it's, you know, it's an effort stat. It really is. If you're, if you put the effort in, you put the time in, you put the hustle in, you're going to get rebounds. And I think that that's something that we've lacked, like severely lacked so far this season. We got out rebounded by Boise, which there's not a ton of shame in that. Got out-rebounded by eight. Um, but we also got out-rebounded by a Division two team. And it, that's unacceptable. 
you, you can't do that. You can't do it in the big sky. You can't do it against Division One teams. We have to get that under control. Uh, Dante Bassett's back now. Hopefully we get David Enziquizi back. Um, he was out with a family emergency. So if you get those three big guys, Kozak had 11 boards against Boise State. We, we really need someone else to step up on the glass. It seems like every game we get one guy, right? It's kind of like what we've been saying about a score. We need an additional score. We also need an additional rebounder. We need somebody else to step up on the glass. And I think that if we can do that, I think that Weber State can make enough shots. I think that we can get to the hoop. I think that we can get to the free throw line, which was another huge positive against Boise State. We were clutch from the free throw line. Um, I think that we do all the other things well enough that we can be really, really competitive in the Big Sky Conference, maybe even competing for a top two, top three seed. I just think that you have to nail down the rebounding. Got to do it. Yeah, like you said, AC, uh, rebounding is an offensive or a, uh, uh, an effort stat. And uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, Weber State was out-rebounded by the Broncos 6-11. to 11. So Boise State, very, very active on, you know, we were say trying to box out, but they were, they were still, you know, trying to get at the ball. And there were a number of times where they were, there were a lot of 50 fifties that fortunately went the Wildcats way, but that wasn't always that way because Boise state was always there trying to get those second chance points. And uh, that, that was really kind of the, the tail of the tape when it comes to rebounding uh, John King, your thoughts on uh, areas uh, to hopefully work on or improve as we head into conference play against Portland state on Friday. So I think one thing that, you know, we need to watch moving forward. And this is just because I think of the game offensively, just to be honest. Um, uh, I hope that this, you know, six for 25 outside shooting thing, I hope that that is, you know, just kind of a blip in the road. Um, because I do think that if you're going to play basketball, especially the modern way the game is played, you know, it's a very much drive to the basket, kick out to open shooters type game. Most teams play more outside in now than they play inside out. And so, you know, I hope that this is just that this game is just a blip in the road as we, you know, go in and get into the big sky season. But, you know, shooting six for 25 against most big sky teams is going to be a recipe uh, is going to be a recipe for disaster. So, um, you know, we're going to see some more. We play Portland state this weekend. We're going to, you know, continue to get a gauge on where we are as a basketball team, you know, moving forward. Um, but for me, I think one thing we got to look at um, is, is how consistently we're shooting from beyond the arc because that opens up the rest of the offense. I mean, that opens up, you know, more space for Cody Carlson that opens up opportunities for Dante Bassett to rim run as he plays, you know, more and more minutes and gets more and more up to speed. So, you know, if you are able to shoot the ball from the outside, you can do so many different things on offense because the defense just has to guard more of the floor. Yeah, absolutely right. Like you pointed out, John King, Wildcats shooting just six for 25 from three point land, 24% uh, or 20, 24%. Um, for the game while Boise State on the other hand shooting 11 for 26 42 percent from the three-point line and uh that's that's the difference in the game right there right if the, if the Wildcats are able to match Boise State's mark at make making maybe five more three-pointers the Wildcats win this game and uh, I think you're right if if we see some improvement you know Zaire Porter had a tough shooting game um Seiko Sisoho Jawara had a tough shooting game even Michael Kosak had a chef a tough shooting game from three uh, if, if those numbers can, can tick, tick up a little bit, you can add maybe 10 to 15 more percentage points to that three-point percentage, 
uh, you're going to be in a lot of games and you're going to be competitive. So with that, uh, as we look toward the future, um, we've talked about some of the good things. We've talked about some of the bad things. Uh, but before we go, I want to get uh, MVP. Who do you think was the standout for this game? Uh, AC, let's let's go to you quickly. Who do you think was the standout for the Wildcats in this game? Cody Carlson. He scores so efficiently. He he can do it all on offense. He's got the moves down low. He can shoot it from the outside. Cody Carlson's the MVP. Was good. Chappie, your thoughts? Who do you think was the MVP for the Wildcats in this game? It was, it was definitely Cody Carlson. It's good to um, see a big man do that, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the season. I agree with you. We've sort of lacked that front court scoring since maybe Joel Ballenboy, where somebody was really putting up 15 to 20 points a night for us. Uh, it's nice to see Cody Carlson really putting the putting the ball in the hoop, especially at, a, at such a high percentage rate. John King, what about you? MVP for this game? I'm going to make it a three-person sweep because the answer is Cody Carlson. I mean, look, we knew going into the game that Isaiah Brown, he's going to score his points. He's going to handle the ball a lot, and he's going to drive a lot of how our offense goes. Cody Carlson, throughout the beginning of the season has really proved himself that he can be that second option. He can be a guy that can catch the ball in the post and he can make something happen with it and, and, and take some of that scoring load off of, you know, Isaiah Brown's um, plate. The big thing that Weber state is going to really have to figure out over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to figure it out during conference play. Cause if these things just, they, they, they work out as you play more minutes together, we got to find a third scorer. We got to find someone, you know, that, outside of those two people that can really hurt defenses because when you have three guys on the floor that can really create offense for themselves, you're in a really, really good position because that's really, really tough to defend. Absolutely. So we'll look forward to that conference play beginning on Friday. Like we mentioned, the Wildcats will be traveling to Portland to play the Portland state Vikings. Uh, The Portland press will likely be in effect. That game will be at 8 PM mountain standard time on Pluto TV. And you can also listen to it on one three, one, the wave. All right, fellas, thank you so much for chatting about the Boise State game, what was good, what was not so good, and uh, who was tip-top in that matchup. And uh, looking forward to Friday. Now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some football changes or happenings at the program of Weber State. Of course, the season does not start until February, but we've had some recent news of sorts happening up on campus that we thought we'd talk to our panel a little bit about. Things revolving around our coaching staff, uh, potential conference realignment, and of course, some new recruits that have committed on uh, Twitter and other places to Weber State this past week. And so we want to talk about it. So to our esteemed and illustrious panel, uh, let's start out with the gorilla in the room. Jay Hill interviewed for the USU job last week and was not named the head coach of the Utah State Aggies. How do you all feel about that happening or rather not happening? Jay dodged a bullet, dodged a bullet. Utah state is a flaming mess right now. And I don't know if y'all saw today, but uh, Utah state's athletic director was caught in a video saying some pretty, uh, some pretty grotesque things as well. And so it's like every single day, something new is coming out at Utah state and it's just a disaster. And Jay made the right decision. By I don't even know if he was offered the job. Never heard anything. But if he was offered the job and turned it down, smart, smart move. Yeah, uh, USU President Noel Cockett uh, said some, uh, I, I guess, some weird things at best about coach uh, interim head coach uh, Mail 
And because of that, the players chose not to play Colorado State this weekend because of those comments. So lots of weird things happening at USU right now. And so if that's the case, Jay Hill staying at Weber State, staying in Ogden and uh, picking his battles, smart move on the coach's part. John King or Chappie, what are your thoughts on Jay Hill staying and Weber State for a little bit longer? Jay deserves, he deserves good things. And Utah State is not that right now. <laughs> he, he's always, him, he and his wife have always mentioned that it's going to take something special. And Utah State is just, it, it's not, it's not that right now and probably not for a while. Uh, it's, it's interesting for me as a Wildcat fan, it's interesting to look at what's happened with Gary Anderson. And it, it, it feels a little bit like John L. Smith, what he did to the Wildcats, you know, and just, the way he went out, it, it almost feels like it's going to cause long-term destruction and it, it takes a while to recover from. Mm. John King, uh, final thoughts on this particular element of our conversation today? Well, definitely thrilled as a Wildcat fan that, you know, that, that it didn't work out. I mean, obviously wish nothing bad against Jay Hill and his family because we all know he's going to make the move to the FBS level at some point. We, we, we know it's going to happen. It's going to be a matter of time. Um, I think we've all kind of talked about, you know, since this podcast started, I think we've all kind of talked about that, you know, this team has a really good chance to do something special in the spring, provided that we can play enough games in the springtime. And so my goal this entire year is just, you know, I, I really wanted Jay to be able to see that out because I think that, this could be a year where you make it to Frisco, Texas, and you play in a national championship game. And he is the guy that revived the program. He is the guy that turned it into a national powerhouse. He should be the one that sees us through that destination. And then at the end of the season, if he chooses to go, you know, to the FBS level, then every Wildcat fan should, you know, wish him the best and thank him for his time at Weber State. But look, we all know that he's probably not going to be the coach at Weber State for 20 years and that he is eventually going to make this jump. And I'm very happy for him that he's not making the jump to Utah State because it seems like an absolute disaster right now. And I wouldn't want for him to have to walk into that situation. Mm. Preach! Yep, definitely uh, definitely glad he's staying. And, uh, of course, Jay Hill is a top-notch person who's taken the program to heights that have not been seen probably ever. And so the Jay Hill era has been very good. So now we're going to move on. We're staying in, staying in the coaching lane here. And uh, as we found out this over the weekend, University of Arizona, after an embarrassing 70-7 to blowout to uh, rival Arizona State, they fired head coach Kevin Sumlin. So almost immediately after that, there were reports of college football coaches in the Mountain West, especially who maybe would be good to talk to be the replacement for Kevin Sumlin. And on that list, once again, Jay Hill. <laughs> so it seems like this is a pattern. Anytime there's a coaching job open at the FBS level, even at the power five level, Jay Hill's name will be mentioned. So uh, I wanted to get the panel's take. What do you all think about Arizona being a potential landing place for Jay Hill? Apparently there's mutual interest as reported by one media outlet. Chappie? Yeah, so we are going to have to just get used to this. It's going to be a thing, and good for us, frankly. I mean, that's and good for Jay Hill, honestly. Better, better for him. Um, Arizona, I don't think is. It's very rare for a an FCS coach to jump right to the P five level, and when it when it has happened, it hasn't always gone really well. <laughs> so, I just don't know that that's it. Now, what I think could possibly happen is that Brian Harson up at Boise State, maybe maybe he makes the jump 
to a Pac-12 school, whether it be Arizona, whether it be somebody else. And that opens up um, Boise State, which I think would be a great landing spot for Jay Hill. Uh, not that I know that that's going to happen or that I want that to happen, but uh, I, I could see that maybe being the case. If you see, if you follow the news at all, Brian Harson, they had some emails come out last week where he was being very critical of uh, last September of, of the administration telling them they need to get out of the Mountain West Conference and do whatever it takes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it, it reminds me very much of watching Bronco Mendenhall rail on independence before, right before he left BYU to go to Virginia. So uh, Brian Harson's time at Boise State may be coming to an end, and I could maybe see him going to Arizona or another Pac-12 school that opens up and maybe Jay Hill potentially landing. UCLA. <laughs> UCLA. Uh, anyway, uh, John or uh, AC, thoughts on Jay Hill and Arizona having mutual interest? Yeah, so the Jay Hill and Arizona thing, that is pretty interesting. So Utah State, Gary Anderson, while he was there, he was the booster's chosen son. Like they called off the dogs and they said, no, Hartwell, the athletic director, you are hiring Gary Anderson. And he was making $900,000, which in the, the grand scheme of college football coaching is not that much at Arizona. However, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona's last football coach was making three and a half million dollars, which is well over what even Utah state would offer more than triple what Utah state is offering their new head coach, Blake Anderson. And so that's a lot of money, man. That is a ton of money. And Arizona, I mean, they're not like a perennial college football powerhouse, but the coach prior to Kevin Sumlin had five out of six winning seasons. And Arizona thought, you know what? Five out of six winning seasons, that's not enough. We need to have something better. Arizona believes that there's potential for them to do something special. And there's there are reports out there that there's mutual interest between Jay Hill and Arizona I think that, I mean, maybe something happens with Brian Harson at Boise State. Maybe Gus Malzahn from Auburn comes over to, to the West. Maybe Lovey Smith happens. There's a lot of coaches that are out on the market right now. But where there's mutual interest at a job that offered their last coach $3.5 million in a Power 5 conference at a school that believes that they can do something, that's tough to turn down. That's really, really tough to turn down. John King closes out here. Your thoughts on mutual interest between Jay Hill and the University of Arizona? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I think that that would actually be a pretty good job for Jay um, because I do think that you could win there. I mean, Rich Rod had a ton of success there. I mean, one a success for Arizona standards. I mean, they were winning eight, nine games a year. Obviously, Nick Foles played there. Um, they had a really good um, couple of years when he was there. And I think that you can win there, especially with the state of the Pac-12 right now. I mean, with USC being down, with Oregon not being as good as they were maybe 10 years ago, um, and just kind of the Pac-12 kind of cannibalizing itself every year. Like, you could pop up and all of a sudden, you know, you're Arizona and you're playing in the Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, maybe 15 years ago, people didn't think that that was possible. But just with the lay of, lay of the land in the Pac-12, I do think that, you know, you can, I think that you can win there. Um, you know, I, we kind of talked in the Slack today a little bit about this. Um, and I, I think that the more likely thing would be um, uh, the coach at Boise, the coach at Boise State, um, Brian Harson, maybe, to, you know, taking that job. And I would be, if he, if that were to happen, then I'd be very worried about Jay leaving Weber State to go to Boise State, which I also think would be a, um, uh, which I also think would be a very, very good job, and he'd be walking into a program, um, ready to win, you know, right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
Chappie, I think, said it best earlier. I mean, this it's a good problem to have, but it is something we're just going to have to get used to, especially as the co- coaching carousel really starts to take off as the season comes to an end. Certainly, and uh, even though the Wildcats did fall by 11 points to the Boise State Broncos on Sunday afternoon, uh, it wouldn't be a bad situation to see Jay Hill head up to Boise and really continue to maybe take that program to uh, harken back to the Chris Peterson days when they were really doing interesting things at the top of college football. Uh, I wanted to wrap this uh, segment up with one last question. Uh, We've had a few recruits or commitments on Twitter this week from local high school um, students. And so I wanted to talk to you, uh, to the panel about that. How are you feeling about next year? We've got a great uh, offensive lineman coming in. We've got one of the top wide receivers in the country coming in, a local product. And uh, we also saw a commitment on the um, uh, outside linebacker commitment today. Um, so, guys, how you, how you feeling about the future and uh, next season, especially with this class of recruits? So I think that next season is going to be really exciting. We're going to be stacked with talent, right? We have a ton of talent that's already here. But our recruiting class this year, it's like it's got me really excited. I'll be honest. I think you've got I mean, you've got Noah Care who was the leading receiver in the United States of America, had more 200 more yards than the next closest guy. He's caught passes from Zach Wilson. He's caught passes from Jackson Dart, who's going to go to P5 school. I mean, this kid, he's a stud. And somehow he just went unscathed. But the, the comparison that I think of when I think of Noah Kerr is with Dax Milne from, from BYU. Weber State offered Dax a scholarship, and he ended up choosing to walk on at BYU, which is almost a carbon copy situation that Noah Kerr had with Weber State. He had an offer from Weber State. He had a preferred walk-on offer at BYU. And now, with how our program is designed, how it's built, our coaching staff, Noah Kerr chose Weber State. And so I think it shows how the program is changing. I think that it shows that the tides are turning and, and, and Weber State can sustain success. We, we are a program that's built to win, not only in the future, but we're built to win now. And people want to be a part of it. We landed a 6A six, six first team All-State guy, a, a Noah Cares teammate, uh, Brennan Magum from, from Corner Canyon. We landed, uh, we landed the, the, the athlete commit from, uh, from Westlake, Braden Perry, who's just – a superstar. He brings the hammer on every single tackle. And so this team, we're not going to have a big signing class because of the current conditions with COVID, but this team is really going to be looking good both now and in the future. This recruiting class is looking top notch. Yeah. So I, I, I agree there. And, and I, to me, the remarkable thing is that the past few years, the, the recruiting philosophy in, has been don't sign anybody in the early period or sign almost nobody during the early period wait to see which offers end up falling through the cracks and what guys don't get you know Devin Cooley is a great example here you know uh, of thinking he was going to UCLA whatever and, and, and ends up at Weber State and we're very grateful for that but that that tends that seems to have been kind of the recruiting philosophy is wait till later um, to see what you can what you can get and, and the fact that we do have guys committing and potentially signing in the early period, to me, means that the coaching staff has the guys that they want. Those are guys that they want, regardless of whether it's now or whether it's later. And so why not sign them now? Um, that To me, that's a very good sign in, in recruiting. It means that we are 
we are getting the guys that we're targeting. And, and like AC said, they're not, they're not choosing to go to Utah State. They're not choosing to walk on at BYU or Utah. They're, we're, we're getting the guys that we want. That's a great sign. John King, wrap us up. Your thoughts on the folks that have committed thus far. Well, I think it's hard to look at a situation and you look at someone like this um, Noah Care and you look at and you look at his you know statistics and anytime you can get anybody who is leading the entire country in one particular statistic, statistical category, I think that's really, really, really um, uh, impressive um, and should be something that gets Wildcat fans excited. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, you know my my. My thing is that, you know, so many of these kids are going to, you know, come to Weber State, they'll redshirt a year, you know, we'll see them down the line a little bit. So my personal philosophy on recruiting is like, okay, you know, I trust the coaching staff and what they've been able to build as a program um, ever since they've been at Weber State. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, these are nice things today. And obviously signing day is always a very exciting day. But then we'll see you guys in a couple of years, you know, when you're a sophomore, when you're a junior and we'll, when we see you on the field, then we'll be able to make more, you know, educated decisions, I guess you would say on what everybody's going to look like. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, uh, I think that this staff has really earned, uh, earned, 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 earned the goodwill of Weber State fans because they've recruited tremendously well um, since they've arrived. And so, you know, I expect that to keep going as long as they're uh, as long as they're still in Ogden. Wonderful. I think that uh, overall, it's it's like Chappie was talking about. It's good to see guys committing in the early signing period because that it's is an indicator that not only are we getting good talent, guys aren't just falling to Weber State; they're choosing Weber State. And it also, I think, is an indicator of like what Chappie said: the coaching staff is getting the recruits that they want. And that bodes well for a program that continues to push itself, you know, closer and closer to Frisco, Texas, and hopefully a national championship. So as time goes on, hopefully these all are things that bode well. These are recruits we want and recruits that we didn't used to get. Things are changing. Yep, things are changing in Ogden and for the better. Um, All right, now we're going to wrap up the show by talking about some upcoming games and events. On Friday, December 18th, uh, conference play does begin in basketball, so the women's basketball team will play Portland State in the Purple Palace at 4 p.m. That game will be on Pluto TV. You can watch it there. And then also, of course, as is tradition, if the women are here, that means the men are away. So the men will be playing at Portland State at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Pluto TV, or you can listen to the dulcet tones of Steve Klauke on 103.1 The Wave. Next, of course, uh, because the schedule is very, very weird this year, there will be a sort of two-game series, as we've talked about earlier in uh, the season, or earlier when the season was first released, the schedule. So on Sunday, December 20th, women's basketball will play Portland State one more time in the Purple Palace. That game will be at 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Pluto TV. Also, men's basketball will, will be playing at Portland State at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That game will also be on Pluto TV and 103.1 The Wave. And we got a big one coming up Wednesday, December 23rd, right before Christmas. Men's basketball will be facing Brigham Young University at Vivint Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake City. I don't think fans will be allowed in that game. Uh, I should have mentioned that no fans will be allowed at any of these games. But uh, the BYU game will be at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That game will be on BYU TV. Or you can listen to Steve Klauke on 103.1 The Wave. 
So with that, we'll wrap up the show. If you have thoughts or comments, ideas on a segment or something you'd like us to address, please feel free to email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. Uh, we also, of course, like we mentioned at the top of the show, are on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. And we have a blog. Lots of uh, good things happening on the blog over there. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about some of these recruits, uh, there have been a few write-ups on them, and we have more coming. So go to WeberStateWeekly.com and go to the blog and find out more about those that have committed to being Weber State Wildcats in the future for this football team. So... Uh, with that, are we going to wrap up the show and thank everybody and thank our illustrious and esteemed panel for coming on tonight to talk about Weber State sports. And I'll say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>